Hello and welcome to this week's Property Matters, the show that brings global trends to an Irish audience to help shape your knowledge of the industry. You can contact us on Twitter at iPropertyRadio or by email at hello at uh, at iPropertyRadio.com. Your hosts today are Carol Tallon and myself, Brian Fox. Okay, thank you, Brian. As mentioned last week, we have a special Smart Cities episode this week, which we're very excited about. But before we get started, we'll just take a look at some of the big property stories of the week. So firstly, housing prices in the capital rose slightly in the first quarter of the year, so they're up 0.33%. And most recent reports are suggesting that home buyers in Dublin are paying up to 129,000 more to live near a Dart or Lewis stop. Also, according to the Banking Federation, mortgage drawdowns are up 8.9% in the first three months of the year. And the build to rent boom continues with Onboard Planola receiving planning applications for close to 4,000 apartments since the start of the year. And these are from some of Ireland's best known developers with a combined value of 1.6 billion. And a nine-storey tower has been proposed to sit alongside the 35 luxury homes that have already been developed at the former Smurfit Print Works site on Botanic Road in Glasnevin. Uh, also, the co-living trend continues with Barty Capital applying for planning for a 208-unit development in O'Leary. And finally, the Ireland, the Ireland Strategic Investment Fund is to put €140 million Euro into the Irish Residential Property Fund. Okay, so our first guest in studio today to kick off the Smart Cities episode could be none other than Jamie Cudden, Smart City Programme Manager with the Dublin City Council. So Jamie, thank you so much for joining us today. So you might just start by explaining to people what exactly, what is the Smart City concept? Yeah, so um, thank you. It's great to be here today. Um, so delighted to have a special on, on Smart Cities. It's something I get very excited about. Um, Essentially, like what we do is we look at all the, I suppose, the, the opportunities in terms of new technology trends. I mean, I'm holding my mobile phone here. Everyone's got these far, very powerful computers you know, on there, uh, you know, using them every day and you know, can do amazingly powerful things with them. But we look at like you hear all these buzzwords like uh, Internet of Things and big data, machine learning, artificial intelligence, you know, 3D, VR, AR. It's kind of it, it all sounds a bit kind of nebulous. But really what we're trying to do from a city perspective is think about how do we take some of these trends, apply them in a city context and deliver better services, better outcomes for citizens and new economic opportunities for Dublin. So essentially, that's what smart cities are about. And you know, what we see is like you know, data-driven cities where you can make better decisions. And can you give us just an example of something? Because you've mentioned a whole range of technologies there and um, sometimes there's an element of a novelty factor. But I know that you guys are involved in actually trialling some of these and you've completed some trials. So you might just give us an example of one of those? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we do, we do hear these words like Internet of Things and, and I always like kind of explaining it in terms of you start connecting people and buildings and infrastructure and cars and whatever in the city, you start generating all this data um, and then using that data you can help make better decisions on the city. So some really good projects that we've developed on, on Internet of Things will be you know, looking at some of the challenges we face in the city, for example, um, extreme weather events. Um, so can you imagine um, being able to understand where the rainfall is hitting hardest across the city in real time or where the river levels are you know, increasing in rivers um, in, in real time? So putting in really you know, sensor networks that measure this and then being able to pull that data together and then you know, push that out to our council uh, workers that can respond quicker you know, to the, the problem areas and, and, and of course for citizens to understand where the issues are quicker. I think that's, that's the real essence of, of smart city and, and that cuts across you know whether it's understanding where the congestion is quicker 
that you can make better decisions in terms of what to avoid, you know, where to go, where not to go through your uh, mobile phone, through Google Maps, etc. You know, so it's all okay. about data. Uh, and using that data to make better decisions. And obviously the power of this is that it's real time so it can actually be actionable for decisions. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, most of us, are, are, you know, on our phone, you know, on our way into work or wherever, you know, you're looking at Google Maps to look at the real time data, where to go, where not to go. I mean, that's, we've all transformed, I guess, our daily life, looking at the, you know, the real time information in terms of when the next bus is. I mean, that's yeah, really... Yeah, to put that too. Yeah, 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 it's, like yeah. Really, it's really well, changed, yeah. I use GPS around the city even though I know the route, but I do it because I know that the GPS will tell me straight away if there's an accident or if there's a delay or something like that so I use it purely yeah. to speed up my route yeah. around the city and yeah. um, Jamie I saw online there that Smart Docklands actually came first in the FDI intelligence smart locations yeah. now that's a global co- is that European or global? Global yeah yeah. That's a, that's amazing and I tell you, the reason I came across it is because you bet out um, Villeneuve in Lithuania. Now, that's an area that I have an interest in because that's the PropTech testbed. Um, now, globally, that's the PropTech testbed. So actually, for for smart docklands to to edge out Villeneuve on, on this criteria is pretty amazing. Can you explain what that is? Yeah, so... Um I, I guess, you know, it's about three or four years ago, we were kind of setting up our smart city program, which has great backing from, I suppose, Owen Keegan, who's our, our chief executive, which makes a big difference. But we were kind of trying to fast track deployments of, of, of new technologies and new opportunities. And, you know, Dublin City, while it's a small city internationally, we, we, we kind of felt like, you know, concentrating innovation across a district could be a good first step to really get people, you know, touch and feel and understand the the technology. You know, Docklands also, you know, massive redevelopment. You know, I think it's you know, three mm. billion worth of investment at the moment. We're leading tech companies, Google, eight thousand staff, you know, all the global leaders in one place, huge investment in infrastructure and, you know, the fiber, all the things that make smart cities. And uh, we we partnered with um with Connect, a center for future networks and Trinity and we brought together all the key tech companies and it was about four years ago and we kind of had a conversation guys you know why why do you have to travel everywhere in the world to do innovation uh, why couldn't you just do it on your doorstep in Dublin and from the city council perspective it was like well we can play a role bringing it all together bringing the universities bringing the tech companies bringing the startups and actually letting them test and put stuff on the streets of Dublin and and we just kind of worked away I suppose fast tracking projects everything from you know environmental monitoring to the flooding projects and uh, looking at smart cycling projects where we we catch data on how people cycle around the city where the potholes are um, and, and it just engaging with the property developers that was a big one as well like the Hibernia rates the iPuts these are the guys you know you, 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 that, that are kind of really embracing starting to look at embracing the technology and we were helping them understand where the global trends are um, and bringing all that together over the last three uh, to four years and branding in our smart docklands partnering with companies like Google, SoftBank, MasterCard, um, IBM, Intel. It's just, you know, come together and, and now we're recognised globally yeah. as a, a success story. And, and we feel we're only at the start of that journey. We're only, you know, it's, it's, this technology is going to really take off. And, you know, we really want to position Dublin as a global leader mm. and, and make sure that the big tech companies... And, and I suppose the financial banks and all that are, are, are recognise the fact now that you're that you're highly competitive in relation to uh, smart cities as well within the financial district, etc. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I mean, I mean, think about cities and, you know, economic competitiveness and, you know, think about talent attraction, you know, the city has to be pulling in the right direction to make sure that, you know, we, we position Ireland as a as an innovation island, mm-hmm. a, a tech hub, Dublin, you know, Dockland, Silicon Docks. 
we have to walk the talk. Jimmy, when, when we talk about um, smart cities and smart and, and computers and all that sort of stuff, um, from from the point of view of an outsider and from the point of view of, of someone that has has an interest in it, there's, you always hear the the term hacking. Oh, yeah. Is there a danger at all of of the, the Dublin City Council's computers being hacked and the lights turned switched out and everything like that and so forth? Is there is there much of a danger of that? Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a, I mean, as we know with technology, you know, we, we hear a lot about autonomous uh, shuttles and cars and self-driving vehicles. I mean, hacking is the biggest, you know, concern Problem. that that, yeah. that people have in, in in any of this. So, so yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, none of us are in, invincible, so you have to take all sorts of precautions. Sure. Um, at the moment, I'd say we're at the very early stages of of smart cities and a lot of these new technologies but but certainly um cybersecurity is absolutely first and foremost well, yeah. Yeah. yeah as is you know data privacy and data ethics you know we, we've seen the whole what's happening with 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 the big tech worlds and facebooks and others but you know we have to be careful and considerate in terms of what we do with people's data and and how we make sure that you know at the end of the day it's about benefiting the citizen um, because we hear a lot about data, the new oil, data monetization, monetization, yeah. this and that. But, you know, the, the reality of smart cities is, is it should first and foremost deliver better outcomes for citizens. And, you know, if we can generate revenue opportunity as well, great. But mm-hmm. we have to make sure we mm-hmm. get that balance mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing, the other story is, too, of course, that you've, you've heard in the UK this last week, uh, this controversy about uh, UI becoming a... Uh, part of the uh, 5G uh, infrastructure yeah, for, for yeah. the UK. How do you see 5G working in, in Dublin? Yeah, so, I mean, 5G, uh, again, is another one to get quite excited about. I mean, the next generation of, of mobile networks. Yes. Um, you know, really high capacity, uh, low latency. So you can, you know, deliver new applications like self-driving cars or connected Indeed, drones yeah, or, yeah. or even that augmented reality experience on, on mobile devices and being able to you know, cater for large numbers of people in one location. So you can imagine a football match or, you know, Euro 2020, for example, we have huge crowds in, <coughs> in Dublin. You know, so we've actually built um, one of the world's first 5G test beds in Docklands. Okay. Um, working with uh, a company called Dancer Ireland and SoftBank uh, in Japan. And uh, so we're learning a lot about how, how you build those networks. Um, at the moment, you know, we're not using any uh, Chinese technology uh, in that net- network. But, uh, but of course, I mean, we're, we're following closely uh, the concerns and maybe the geopolitics that's Indeed. behind some of yeah. those. What sort of feedback are you getting now? In terms, because I mean, it's the next it's the next step, really, isn't it? And it's going to be a huge advancement too in terms of computer technology as well. What sort of feedback is it? Is it positive feedback you're getting now from the? Yeah, uh, well, I, I think um, we, we we've just built, we're just building the network, I, I guess, at the moment and understanding how you build these things and you know how you put stuff up on poles and how you optimize it and mm. you know, interesting like big glass buildings, you know, really struggle to get connectivity from five G. Um, and that's a lot of the new modern buildings. So how do you overcome some of those problems? But but for cities, it's like if all the operators build their 5G networks at the same time, we, we won't have enough space to put like things on, on, on lampposts and, 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 and street assets. So we're trying to look at unique kind of approaches in terms of how could they share infrastructure and how can the city facilitate that type of sharing to, to give a kind of a cleaner installation and hopefully bring down the costs uh, for for the operators because the, the the problem is that the mobile operators don't make much money um, because it's all the services on top like WhatsApp the Facebook that's where all the money's made the advertising on that the the, the I suppose mobile operators are more like utility mm. companies mm. these days mm. I mean it's an essential service but um, they need to figure out how they pay for the infrastructure and for cities we need to figure out how we can enable that because we want I mean we absolutely want Dublin and Ireland to be at the forefront 
of these new innovations and to build new products and services that can scale. Um, it's interesting. I actually had a conversation with a large-scale property owner um, very recently, and he saw the emergence of 5G technology and particularly the fact that there needs to be so many points um, and masts that mm. he saw that as potential revenue for landowners and for property owners and building owners that, um, you know, instead of one mast that would serve as a whole area, you know, he suggested that you might need a mast on, on different buildings or perhaps even inside on different floors within yeah. buildings. You know, is it likely, you know, you've just described the providers really as utility providers. Is it likely that they're going to pay to position those on buildings and properties? Yeah, I mean, one of the key components of, of what the experiment is that we're doing is looking at like, well, what's the, I suppose, the business model yeah. um, behind building these networks? Really, really complicated because the, the actual the bandwidth or the frequency of spectrum that we're looking at requires a lot more. Uh, sites and locations. I, I think the reality is is that you know there's, it's not going to be a massive lucrative revenue opportunity um, for building owners. I, I think what you will find is they will want to have this type of connectivity to be competitive and and it's to about, meet their tenants' needs. Yeah, to meet their tenants' needs, to meet the needs of the city and the services that cities need to deliver. So I think there's going to be a much more balanced conversation in terms of well. What, what's the fair, you know, a fair transaction price in, in a way that we all win and benefit? Because do you remember, like a lot of these operators, they, they spend a lot of money on 4G spectrum. Mm-hmm. You know, <clears throat> they'll spend, you know, probably a lot of money on 5G spectrum. They probably haven't even made their money back on the <laughs> on the 4G spectrum. So, yeah. you know, I suppose we need a bit more, uh, be, be a bit more sensible on all of this because, you know, if we look at just the national picture in terms of broadband, you know, you can see sometimes, uh, you know, if we, if we don't all work together, you know, you can end up with certain parts of the cities yeah. being being covered, other parts maybe not being this cherry picking of mm. of locations. And I think what we don't want to see is, you know, this digital divide kind of. Yeah, and, know, and that's yeah. absolutely happening at the moment. And in fact, I think it's something that people outside of Dublin aren't aware of, that there are uh, digital black spots mm. in uh, within the capital as well. So just in relation to Smart Auckland, because it's an area of the city, I mean, I've heard you describe it before. Is it the most connected square mile of or two two square kilometers? Two square kilometers, is it? Yeah, well, I mean, we, we use the word. Um, it's it's one of the most connected, uh, you know, two square kilometers in in the world, and and we use that on multiple levels. I mean, one thing that makes us very unique in Dublin is the connectivity just we have between people, um, companies, and 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 the city and startups and researchers. So we're we're very connected as a society. Um, also, then the connectivity we we have all sorts of types of connectivity networks there, from emerging low power type networks to four G, five G. So, so I guess you know we use it on multiple levels. The most connected district uh, in the world, and uh, and and it's really taking off. You know the. The, the, the whole smart docklands, the economic opportunity, and, and we're just delighted to be able to facilitate that. Well, it really illustrates what an amazing job um, Dublin City Council and, of course, by extension, Smart Dublin and Smart mm. Docklands has done to pull all this together because mm. there's so many different players and, um, you know, that, that we're considering here. Uh, but I want to turn our attention maybe to the community element of it. So, I can see how a lot of the smart city solutions would cater to um, occupiers and people Mm. coming into the district to work. But do we know what proportion are residential, full-time residential within the Docklands? And, you know, what will smart city initiatives mean for them? Yeah, so, I mean, one of the key parts of the programme is is an engagement um, aspect where, you know, equally we work with, you know, property developers and uh, we work with tech companies, but communities are a core part of that. Docklands is really interesting in terms of just the transition from a, 
and old kind of docks, you know, high levels of, of deprivation mm. to now a global leading tech quarter. So we have quite a mix, like the old, you know, communities in around Pier Street, around the docks, around uh, Sheriff Street, and then you've Grings End as well, and then you've got the whole new, the Google tech workers. Mm. And, and it's interesting, like, while it's great to have the success of the, the tech workers, um, you know, the old areas would actually feel a bit of, there's a bit of resistance towards the encroachment in terms of all these new uh, jobs announcements and, and, and new, like, Salesforce Tower and other things happening there. So we, we have a, we, we partner with, with university researchers and, and, and we have you know, workshops looking at, you know, how can this benefit local communities? Um, you know, because at the end of the day, like, Smart Cities is about looking at, well, uh, you know, looking at the quality of the environment um, so with a lot of construction, I know some of the speakers you have later mm. talking about how can you use smart technologies to measure, you know, the air quality, um, the you know, the looking at noise, and and I think so by putting these these technologies in, you can kind of help communities, you know, have a voice um, with some evidence. And I, I think you know we're 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 really uh, looking into that, but also we're, we're deploying like Wi-Fi networks and community facilities, and and making sure like um, that that they have a say in, in future planning decisions. Uh, around the district by investing in a full 3D model where we hope to bring in you know the whole kind of VR AR augmented reality that's actually really exciting and it's definitely something before we let you go today it's definitely something that I want to talk to you about Um, the hackathon that's taking place the weekend of the 10th of May May yeah next Friday that's really exciting please do tell our listen because this is something that I've communicated with my property uh, PropTech Ireland hat on it's something I've communicated out to innovators but actually, um, I, I know that there's a wider audience there that w- of innovators who actually would be able to use this because you mentioned data there. But what's very unique here is that you're making all of this open for a set period of time. Um, so open source, is that correct? Yeah, I mean, the, the 3D model, I mean, we through our kind of collaboration and engagement um, across the developers and, and working with like Sanama and others, we kind of realised that there was a lot of 3D models built across the district um, and, and we took the opportunity to kind of pull it all together um, and to actually, you know, open source uh, a highly accurate model of the district because we kind of realized that, you know, if we want to drive innovation, you need to be proactive and you need to invest. Um, but also there's so many applications on, on 3D models from, you know, the whole gaming, you know, we, we, we saw some articles on, on our 3D model about, you know, zombies and Docklands, you know, what, what games could you create to kind of, well, if you're putting a new tower, like um, well, any type of tower in, in the Docklands, what impact will it have on, on, on the viewpoints, on the shadow analysis? And you know, can you bring people into an immersive kind of technology environment where they put headsets on or mixed reality? Are they looking at their phone? What does this new building look like? All down to property tech as well. So looking at if you design a, a building from scratch using you know the latest digital technologies, it can drive down costs, be more sustainable in the long run. So, so I think there's so many different ways that you can use this. And we're just... Um, you know, happy to to be part of a, a kind of opening it up and creating the opportunity, open sourcing it, and we have a huge hack uh, Friday the tenth in uh, One Mill Lane, which is Hibernia Rate with Autodesk, and that's with, one of the most fabulous buildings in, within oh, the Docklands. stunning, and it's called uh, it's called Town Hall as well. Yeah. Actually, you know, so the whole idea of that space was to bring communities together. So we have. We have developers, we have uh, leading academics, we have industry professionals, and you guys are, uh, PropTech Ireland are, are very much part of that. Uh, we've Dublin Port now uh, on board. And it's just, you know, I think the future of planning as well is a really interesting piece. So looking at how you can, um, you know, bring 
together communities because you know when you look at the drawings of new plans it doesn't mean anything until you actually see what it actually really looks like yeah and that's something that I it, that's a, a drum that I beat quite a lot here in terms of um, helping people through the public consultation and the pre-planning public consultation to actually visualise or experience um, the the proposed development through immersive yeah. technology so it's amazing that you've made this um, 3D model of the city available for people or this part of the city available for innovators to plug into so exciting Exciting times, Jamie. Yeah, exciting times, and I'm, I'm sure a lot more to discuss in the future. Again, uh, Jamie, I hope you hope to see you in here again. That was Jamie Cutton, a smart city program manager. Um, and thank you very much indeed, Jamie. Now, stay tuned. After the break, we have Gavin Gallagher of PropTech TV and Paul McDonald, managing director of Sunny Touch Systems. Broadcasting to South Dublin on ninety three point nine. This is Dublin South FM. And welcome back to Property Matters here in Dublin South FM with Carol Tan and myself, Brian Fox. You can contact us on Twitter at iPropertyRadio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. Now, as mentioned before the break, our next guest in the studio today is uh, my, my feeling, Gavin Gallagher of PropTech TV <laughs> and Paul McDonald, Managing Director of Sunny Tusk Systems. I think I got Sunny Tusk correct. Sunny Tusk. Yes, Excuse there's me. a big debate outside. Of <laughs> 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 okay, so how have I done? Anyway, thank you for, thanks for joining us, guys. Um, Gavin, we'll talk to you first. Um, talk to us a bit about international smart city solutions. Well, it's funny you say that. I was just uh, reading about this earlier today and the uh, I've been reading about Hong Kong, actually. Hong Kong is it's trying to position, it's got a lot of ambitions for um, for smart cities and obviously huge cities like that that have massive populations and stuff, that's where you're going to see the most attention, I think, to this kind of thing because when you've got such a huge population density, things like smart cities, anything, any smart solution at all is going to, in, in terms of, say, for example, uh, public transport and stuff like that, mm. like just the efficiencies and things like that. Smart cities is all about that, you know. And how does it make it efficient? Just a matter of interest, Gavin. Well, if you've got um, if you've got like a sensor system that's there, it, it can just transmit data to people's phones and stuff like that far more efficiently. Okay. I mean, we've mm. all gotten used to now. If you put something into your Google, mm. it'll tell you how long it'll take to get to such and such a place because it knows traffic, mm. you know, volumes and all that. Mm. Well, this is just going to get far, far more accurate, mm. and you'll actually be like. I find now that Google Maps, for example, if I come, when I was coming here today, Carol, I was looking at my watch going, I knew I had to leave when I had to leave to make it on time. And sure enough, I was exactly on time. You know, I actually just made the point earlier in the last slot that actually I use GPS around the city, even though I know my way around the city. It's yeah. because I want to see, um, I want to be able to preempt any delays and get there faster, which actually says a lot about our modern but society as well. This public transport intrigues me. Does, 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 does the system in Hong Kong then, is, is it a, a much more improved system than Dublin Bus say uses here are well I mean the thing is, is it's just their their ambitions mm-hmm. are one, uh, what they have at the moment and what their ambitions are are two different things but obviously the with 5G coming in for example mm-hmm. the, the amount of data that can be pushed down now to people's phones and things like that is just going to completely transform and when you're walking through shopping centres for example you'll actually have kind of offers that are coming up on your phone based on you walking past it yeah yeah, you you just walk past a shop and all of which I personally find incredibly invasive and annoying but anyway um, so look also in studio with us today is Paul and Paul your company is already delivering a smart city solution isn't that correct yes that's right actually we've been working with Dublin City Council for 
at least 10 years, uh, we were uh, spin out from Trinity College, a research group there in acoustics, and the city council approached us quite a long time ago and asked us, could we develop a solution for noise monitoring around the city? On construction sites? Not necessarily on construction, but originally to help them just gauge the environmental quality around the city. They had a small team of two people. They didn't have the resources to measure all over the city mm-hmm. and they didn't have the technology to do it either. It was far too expensive. And we developed a piece of instrumentation to allow them to do that in an automated way. So it was a more efficient data collection system. Just noise right across the board? Right across the board. There's about Ca- 50 traffic, monitoring sites. It's it's environmental noise from traffic, from rail, from uh, air transport and so on was their initial focus. Mm-hmm. And what it allowed them to do was take more efficient measurements Mm -hmm. Uh, but about 10 years ago what they were doing was publishing an annual report a PDF report that was available through the website they would crunch all that data uh, and and publish it at the end of the year and the way it's developed now and what we've built for them only just recently uh, with our first sale yesterday Congratulations um, (laughs) is is an automated platform a smart platform to allow councils and local authorities to process all that data, all that environmental data and publish it online in a way that's easy to grasp for the general public. So we have automated software tools now to do that and and now it's called Big Data and it's called Smart Cities and and IoT but it started from a platform that we built 10 years ago to try and help them manage that with a small team. And are there international standards to reduce noise level to a certain minimum? Yes, there's a a European Environmental Noise Directive which was the genesis of all this. The Mm -hmm. City Council were pushed to to assess and then treat environmental noise to improve the, the noise quality around the city. And, and Dublin actually were quite progressive in the way they approached that, that they wanted to take a monitoring approach where they had a real network of real data that they could communicate to people and then make better planning decisions or better environmental decisions based on that, such as protecting areas that were relatively quiet in the city. So on photo of the measuring uh, system that they implemented, they were able to designate eight quiet areas around the city that they now protect in their planning from higher noise levels. And that was just as a result of the data that came from your system? Absolutely. So it's, it's a nice example of how a smart system or an IoT system can help a city council make better decisions. It's not necessarily that they're improving the existing quality, but they are able to identify areas that are of civic value and public amenity and protect them as they make their decisions. So they're producing noise pollution, obviously. Exactly. Mm. And all this monitoring is real time? All real time, so we have... Can the public access that? Yes, there's a public website now called dublincitynoise.ie and it's all the the measurement data is is live and available and we have just finished building our new smart city tools that we'll be launching to replace that site over the coming weeks. So from the point of view of the public, what's their feedback in relation to the aspect of noise they find? most irritating it's, it's, it, I suppose what we look at is the difference between environmental noise which mm-hmm. is long term and things cities can plan for and develop for uh, versus neighbour noise or nuisance noise and that comes from barking dogs and mm-hmm. neighbours having parties and so on and it's, it's a constant struggle for local authorities but what we have them do is with an automated monitoring system is something they can move around quite easily they can put it in one location for a week to assess a noise complaint all four of the Dublin councils are quite good at this now and they've, they've developed their own expertise as well to help citizens engage and what we deliver for them is 
some tools to allow them to tackle very technical concepts in a, an easier way that it's automated measurement, automated upload and automated data analysis and something they think they can then communicate to the general public uh, or to the, the, the residents that they're dealing with in a, in a way that makes it easy to understand and easy to access that information. That's excellent. Thank you, Paul. Uh, we were just speaking with our last guest, uh, Jamie Cudden of Smart Docklands, um, just how this is relevant and how it's improving the daily lives of citizens so that's a great example of that and um, Gavin I while I, I know you're here with your prop tech TV hat on and um, you also your day job is is managing eight the the comings and goings of 8,000 employees that come through the gates of East, East Point. Point Business Park um, right. so is this would noise be be a concern that you guys would have um, well noise is not so much of an issue except when there is any kind of construction going on mm, so we we have various restrictions yeah. on things like I mean for example you can't use a Kango hammer during mm-hmm. office hours and things like that because in a concrete building it would just the noise transfer will be too huge um, so those kind of things less so I mean we do have we're located right beside the Dublin Port Tunnel and because of that there's quite a bit of noise coming off of that but because it's at the toll plaza it's not so bad because trucks are starting and stopping I guess but um, noise isn't so much an issue but we do sort of see I mean sensors and things like that as a hugely beneficial but uh, taking it beyond noise am I right Paul in, in suggesting that you guys are also doing environmental monitoring and um, dust monitoring and that's right other yeah we've, concerns. we've just launched an air quality product as well that we can that is targeted at local authorities at uh, property managers uh, to allow them to gauge the air quality around the area which is much more of a uh, topical issue um, certainly right. for residents or, or, or citizens that are, that are concerned about air quality so we have this taken what we've learned with our noise measurement about automated data collection simple communicational tools and we've we've applied that to air quality monitoring as well so our new system is uh, noise and air quality to allow people to gauge the, the overall environmental quality so I can see a use for that actually yeah uh, absolutely. So, do you guys provide the software and the hardware? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, so it's a full, a complete solution for local authorities nationwide. It is. Yeah. And one of the things that that, that Dublin found attractive for their smart city initiatives was that it's it's a it's almost an off the shelf solution. We have hardware, we have experience, we manufacture it ourselves, so we have a lot of control over what it does and how it does it, and we have teams in place that can actually go and install these things that have. Uh, boots and tools in the back of their cars, we can get them installed and then we operate all the software systems as well. So it's something that they can easily uh, install and operate with our support um, and, and it's, a, it's a full solution for them to, to gauge environmental quality. Okay, because I'm, I'm just thinking this would be, you know, issues that have come up in the recent past, like for example, uh, Croke Park, when concerts were cancelled, was it last year or the year before? Mm. Um, because of, road, yeah. yeah, because of residents' complaints. So is that the kind of thing, is noise monitoring happening in entertainment spots at the moment? Absolutely, and, and, and more and more often, in fact, we have uh, a monitoring site outside Crow Park that allows the, the events management team there to view live results, uh, live noise lo- results and make sure that they're compliant with their music licensing. Uh, they use it for concerts but also for corporate events at Christmas time when, when everybody's uh, holding their, their parties mm-hmm. in there and they keep an eye on that and they, they, it allows them to engage with the residents with, with real data and, 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 and monitor in real time. So again the compliance. residents all have access to this information in real time. It, it, it gives the Crow Park team some tools to, to generate reports 
reports to show compliance you know, and, to, and to deal with the city council. So it's an online system for relationship management. Yeah. And that's one of the things we found much more now where we operate on construction sites or commercial premises that this type of instrumentation is now being used to manage relationships. It's the tool that they can use. I just to put that to you. I mean, is it a case where um, if a big construction was, was to take place in, in Dublin City somewhere, the people behind the, the, the construction would, would, would um, coordinate with Dublin City Council to figure out what the times and so forth they can use as, as, as Gavin was saying jackhammers etc are, are, would, would that be a factor in it? It's certainly where that's heading um, <coughs> the core of our business at the moment would be construction monitoring Okay. So all the major contractors and major projects would have noise, dust, vibration monitoring right. yes, that would have right. yeah, live instrumentation you. to make sure that they're compliant with their planning conditions. Yeah. And they would submit maybe a report weekly or monthly to the council. But what the council are now looking at doing is bringing those tools online to have live compliance monitoring right across all the sites so that the, the contractors would be able to connect their instrumentation to a centralised oh, platform. Yeah. Yeah. See, you'd imagine that would be great for residents because... Def- yeah, like, I remember when, uh, like for infrastructure projects, I I just remember the outcry from residents around... the Docklands uh, around the basin area when the tra- when the Lewis line was going in and the construction was happening at hours they I think that particular project had exempted hours mm-hmm. so they they could work outside of normal construction hours and it was causing huge disturbance t- to the residents at weekends and um, you know so I know that noise monitoring was one of the probably one of the uh, areas where the project teams and the residents came to blows because of it. Absolutely. Now, I should say we were doing all the monitoring on, on that project <laughs> as well. Um, so so <laughs> the project team did have a, a noise monitoring system in place. It was something that allowed them to gauge their compliance. But what we've seen more, than, so I think that was the first large public yeah. project that we yeah. won maybe five, six years ago. Um, and it was actually what... what uh, pushed us to move out of the university and, and to and to form into a full-time company. And what we see now, though, is that contractors and developers are using these systems as tools to manage those relationships, where initially um, they were um, keeping the data maybe a little bit private, um, engaging at when they were asked for information. Now they see it as an online tool that allows them to engage with local residents, engage with the city and, and manage those relationships. Do, do most cities have this type of facility now at this point for, for, for uh, monitoring sound, monitoring noise? A lot of cities would have research uh, engaged in this type of area. They would have trialled it, but Dublin is ahead of the game in the way they treat Again. particularly noise and, and, and getting into the air quality system. Kevin, if I could just go, go back to you just for one moment because you mentioned Hong Kong there being a prime user of, of smart cities and so forth. Is, is the fact that Dublin is such a small city, would that be a major factor in terms of being a prime... Um well, you know, it's funny you say that. I've been thinking about... I mean, I've been talking to some people about Dublin as a market um, and obviously everyone talks about London as a, as a kind of a place to go because of the size of it and stuff. But the reality is if you're rolling out a product, if you're like a startup or something like that, Dublin is actually... It's a great size market to actually test and then you know because it's oh, okay. local, you're, you're local to the market then you can go into the UK and you can actually kind of you know sell Mm. it Mm. I I hear this all the time and I suppose again from a prop tech point of view I would always hold the view that actually yes it's a small manageable marketplace but it's a very difficult market to get into to Mm. test so for example we have large scale um, uh, property managers and it can be quite difficult for startups and innovators to get access to it and in fact that's one of the things that Dublin City Council is doing through its Smart City programme that it's actually rolling out so a little bit like Paul you mentioned that your business rolled out from Trinity but 
but you were able to do that through the local authorities and it's so powerful to have an avenue mm. where startups need when they're market ready that they're actually able to get in test their systems and then roll into the market well, and Dublin doesn't uh, hasn't always been the best place for that so I think Well I was Dublin's just reading earlier changing. today about um, Arcadis is a, is a company in, uh, in in Holland that is uh, in Amsterdam that they're actually they're doing a, in a smart cities innovation hub and the idea is um, it's like an accelerator so they've chosen 10 companies to go in and to do this stuff and they give them a stipend of 20,000 mm-hmm. and uh, so it's a good you know that's the kind of encouragement that you really need to kind of get some of these startups up and running yeah well actually you know I might just pop just before we go to break I might just pop my PropTech Ireland hat on again for just a moment to say that Leading Cities which is a global organisation uh, based it, it's based out of Boston um, they've actually opened applications for their post accelerator competition and that's a global competition for market ready innovators to roll out their solutions um, to local authorities and to cities globally so I was delighted last year to be invited to be an international uh, judge and, and again this year um, and I think it's worth noting that our esteemed former Taoiseach Enda Kenny is actually he was appointed to the Leading Cities Board back in uh, 2017 so they definitely appreciate an Irish voice so if there are any smart city innovators listening in I would definitely send them to the leadingcities.org website maybe see that open competition and see if it's something that's relevant for them Gavin Gallagher PropTech TV TV and Paul McDonald Managing Director of Sunny Tusk Systems thanks so much indeed next after a quick break it's uh, Alex Gibson Assistant Head of uh, School of Marketing and Technological University uh, Dublin and Andrew Farrell CEO and founder of Block Angel Your Community Radio for South Dublin This is Dublin South FM. And welcome back to Property Matters here in Dublin South FM with Carol Talent and myself, Brian Fox. You can contact us on Twitter at iPropertyRadio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. So as mentioned before the break, we have Alex Gibson. Alex is Assistant Head of the School of Marketing Technological University, Dublin, and Andrew Farrell, CEO and founder of Block Angel. Alex has been on the programme before. No, Andrew's been on the programme uh, Excuse me, before. Andrew's been on the programme, excuse me. Um, well, so, but, have, good to see both of you. Um, to be here. Thank you. So why don't we start with you, um, Andrew, Tenant Communications mm. and Management of Building Issues. We've discussed this before in the past. Could you elaborate a bit more now on, on, on what we've discussed? Now, you see, Andrew, what he means is now we've learned so much today exactly. from our previous from yeah. our previous guests about mm-hmm. smart cities. Now you can tell us how your communications tool yeah, for tenants yeah. actually ties in sure, to the yeah. smart cities well, concept. For people who didn't listen to the last show I was on, just and a very, very just give you a brief uh, rundown. So Block Angels, a, it's a, a communication and um, maintenance management tool basically that's used by block management companies. And uh, we're in about 50 blocks now in Dublin. And that's amazing. Our, our mobile app is basically a front end. Uh, and if you're a tenant or if you're an owner occupier, um, you'll have access to this this mobile app. And really, it's about. Um, you know, getting a uh, c- communication, direct communication between management and you know people who live in multi-unit buildings. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's got instant messaging. You know, there's building information library that the management can populate with all sorts of content. And um, there's then a maintenance ticketing system. And then on uh, the admin side that the managers use, there's a whole. Uh, system basically of they bring in their suppliers and they can convert those uh, requests into requests for quotes and work orders and all that kind of stuff so it's a complete solution from when you raise a ticket as an occupant of a building to when that's finally closed out and all the 
bits and pieces that have to happen in between the permissions and all that stuff. So, yeah. so basically um, speaking, you, what you're saying is you're ahead of the pack in relation to smart cities. Well, I, 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 no, I'm not saying that. Because <laughs> like, the smart cities, obviously, it's a huge spectrum of stuff that's going on in IoT. What in, in, in relation space, to your own area? In relation to my own area, I mean, well, I suppose we're a front end. Um, the mobile app is a front end, and the web app for the directors of the owners management companies and the members is a front end as well. And when you talk about IoT and people talk about having an app and and a, and a you know a, a software to analyze the data and all this kind of stuff, you know, the, there is, I suppose, a, a from from my own opinion, there's a risk of like having too many platforms and. You know, everyone has so many logins for different things these mm. days that, mm. you know, um, where I can kind of see the IoT piece happening is, you know, having plugins to things like the Block Angel uh, mobile app. So, you know, and I'm, I'm starting to have these discussions now with some of these uh, IoT uh, kind of innovators in the space. And, you know, a lot of the... Um, the customers that I have and that I speak to are also looking in this direction as well. So, um, you know, it's it, things are moving in this direction for sure. Um, but is the trend really more about engagement as in it's more how people want to receive? So tenants in building blocks, they no longer want to be reading notice boards. Um, they want access to information in a format that suits them. You know, again, sometimes I think that when we look at some of these innovations, the platform is purely the tool but it's actually responding to how tenants want to live it's it's how we live now it's how we expect to consume information it's how we expect yeah. to be um, advised of changes coming mm. up and that ties into uh, you know the whole concept of smart cities is responding to how we live now and how we want to live in the future yeah. and this is just an extension of that you know it, it mm. really is responding to people's on demand Lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose with all these technologies and, and, and I suppose the progress in technology has all been end user led. Mm. So it's, you know, really considering who's the end user of this uh, product or service and how do we best service them. Um, and that's that's tr what drives in a lot of this innovation and in IoT and all the smart city stuff. And it's it's what drove um, Block Angel. I mean, the whole we designed, went out to design a, a CRM, maintenance management and communication tool that's end user focused. And um, this area of property and property management in particular has been very underserved by this kind of end user service. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a great opportunity for us. And, you know, looking at the ecosystem of IoT, it's a great opportunity we see now to uh, collaborate with some of these IoT innovators to uh, bring these tools um, to enhance people's experiences in, in property and living where they are in these multi-unit uh, environments. Yeah, which is absolutely on trend and, and it's what people are looking for at the moment and um, speaking of what people are looking for I'm so delighted that you're with us today Alex because you're the man behind the AR VR Innovate conference um, that's coming up next month on the 10th of May that's right it's coming up on Friday the 10th of May so it's the 6th running of it in Dublin so um, certainly uh, the AR and VR space is very dynamic at the moment there's a lot of interest um, it's a conference that's grown very well. It's uh, one of the largest in Europe now. We've got a lot of international delegates as well as Irish delegates coming to it. And uh, I suppose one of the things I've noticed more and more in recent years is just the interest that there is in exhibitors as well as the speakers. There's actually, um, it's a type of conference, I think, where people 
they want to get hands on uh, it's it's one of those conferences where there's just a lot of cool stuff to try mm. uh, whether they're VR headsets or augmented reality headsets and, and uh, geeks so if you're if you if you want to be transported to an alternate reality uh, that's not going to intoxicate you too much I think it's a great place to go and you'll learn a lot as well in terms then of the day job I mean you you're obviously got a very responsible job as being assistant head of school of marketing which is obviously um, what's the awareness among uh, young people now of, of the whole tech world or I'm sure they're well advanced now at this point in time. Yeah, there's a lot of research that says these technologies in particular, there's more familiarity um, and more exposure to them, that's for sure. Mm. Um, Particularly virtual reality. I think augmented reality for most people is still a bit of a mystery. Mm. Uh, Even though a lot of the people actually use it on a daily basis, younger audiences, and they don't don't call it AR, but that's what they're using. For example, Snapchat, Facebook, when people go on to use the Facebook lens and they put on a funny wig, a virtual wig, etc. That is augmented reality. So so um, I think you know the terminology can be confusing sometimes, but uh, there's certainly among younger people a lot of recognition. But my own academic research actually has shown that among the over 65 age group, there was actually the greatest enthusiasm about virtual reality for uh, tourism promotion. We did oh, some academic course. research yeah, looking yeah. at the Wild Atlantic Way. But, but let me Wait, ask, really? The, yeah, and it was the older audiences who loved it most. Now that's interesting because yeah. actually there's um, there's a very forward-thinking uh, Irish entrepreneur and prop tech entrepreneur. Ronan O'Boyle who's based in London and just I, I saw on social media recently he shared that his mum went over to visit and so he decided to treat her to a virtual reality experience and 45 minutes he came back and found an empty chair and discovered that she'd left after a few a few minutes and basically the motion sickness um, yeah. you know it, there were things that it was really interesting because as an innovator of um, VR products it gave him another insight yeah. um, into users that he hadn't realised before yeah. and I thought that was really that was a very powerful way to find out yeah. years into your career yeah. that, well you've you made know. a really important point which um, you know listen to Andrew as well I think to say that, you know with all of these things with the smart city technology we need to be careful that we're not a slave to the technology you know at the end of the day it has to it has to be led by the consumer, the user, what they want, what they get utility, what they get value out of, and what makes their life easier and or more entertaining. You know, that's what we're no- all looking Novelty for. factor, though, counts, doesn't it? Because I know um, th- there are so many use cases for virtual reality and augmented reality, particularly across the planet construction and property industries um, that I'm involved in. And, you know, it's something that I feel really passionate about. And we have our own tech team in-house developing. But actually, um, you know, so- sometimes the use cases are not what excite people and actually the novelty factor we're still in a phase where the novelty factor sells and yes absolutely and you know there are some uh, apps that have captured people's imagination like Ikea some people may may be familiar with that one where you can Mm -hmm. download the app and you can uh, see a piece of furniture in your own home and resize it by just touching the screen so yeah things like that have caught people's imagination but I think you're right though actually the you know the the real opportunities the commercial opportunities are probably a little bit more mundane Mm. uh, whether it's you know allowing uh, architects to show concepts Mm. in a more engaging way to clients Uh, that's where there's a lot of opportunity or in manufacturing in terms of improving the manufacturing process maybe not that glamorous but actually no, all, and, and all the forecasts exactly that I it. see all the forecasts I see and at my conference in terms of who are the exhibitors and where's the interest it's all around the industrial engineering manufacturing mainly a bit of tourism as well you're seeing well, uh, and, um, as well. there might actually there might actually be some political interest as well because we did hear a whisper that um, in the upcoming elections there will be a politician 
using augmented reality as part of well, the Well, they will get my vote, okay? They will get my vote. <laughs> They'll get my vote too. Because <laughs> I'm waiting for a long time for I, it to I be suppose, more popular. My next yeah. question, actually, I suppose, is very much self-explanatory. But for, for listeners that don't know about you, the Technological University, is that um, is that exclusively just a technological university? Well, the TU Dublin Technological University is formerly DIT, so DIT, people will okay. be familiar with DIT, of course. Um, so... You know, the university status was granted in January, so it was a big, um, important factor for uh, education yeah. landscape in Ireland generally. We're yeah. building uh, the largest educational campus at the moment in Grange Gorman. It's uh, upwards of a billion euros over a 10-year construction. So talking about construction properties, it's, you know, one of the very biggest construction projects in the city at the moment. Um, there will be more than 20,000 students on that one site in Grange Gorman when it's fitted out completely. Um, but beyond that, yes, uh, university focus on um, applied knowledge around the, the technical disciplines in the main um, and certainly we think that having a university status in fact we're seeing it and I'm seeing it in my current role even today um, interviewing international students who are coming to us who said last year they would not have done so but now that we're well, a university uh, it makes it an easier currency there is there is a lot of uh, we know internationally too there's a lot of uh, competition now within universities as well uh, do you find that pretty intense at the moment or what's your, what's your what are your thoughts on that well it's government policy to substantially increase the number of international students mm-hmm. uh, and that's partly to address the funding gap as well yeah, universities right, yeah. so that's, that's mm-hmm. definitely a factor mm-hmm. but it's also I think a factor in terms of building capacity and interest in Ireland as a destination for investment so there's a whole range of dimensions to that we'd like to think that there's scope given the plans and the objectives for all the universities to Mm -hmm. succeed and flourish Uh, of course there's an element of competition in these things but uh, Education Ireland which is the government sponsored body uh, acts uh, in a cohesive way so I have been on overseas trade missions to India for example and in the same room as me uh, promoting Ireland we put on the Irish jersey let's be honest Mm -hmm. and we're promoting Ireland and some candidates may be better suited to other universities and we're happy with that once we're growing the appeal of Ireland generally. And have we got a good um, have we got a good standard abroad? Would you would you say are we are we well recognised as a university country? Uh, that's a good question. I think that in some markets there's, there's growing recognition of Ireland. Uh, certainly in China there've been well established uh, markets, although it's such a huge market to kind of get your mind around where Indeed, to where yeah, to yeah. where to target. Uh, growing markets for Ireland in the next number of years will be markets like Indonesia, for example, is a big growth market and it's a 200 million population, mm-hmm. vast um, middle class growing very quickly. I think there's a lot of growth potential in India as well, yeah, the African countries yeah, as well. Yeah, and one thing we're noticing, Andrew, is that yeah. um, there's a growing recognition, particularly in India and Indonesia there is an awareness that uh, Britain's leaving the European oh, Union yeah, yeah, so we're yeah. seeing a bit of a spike uh, from candidates who are but saying we want, we want to come to Ireland yeah. rather than the UK and offering a smart campus I'd imagine would be another uh, sort of uh, tool that would be used to attract people to come to TU over other campuses. For example, um, you know, if they're going, particularly if they're going to be living on campus as well, provide with the yeah. student accommodation that's being provided there in Grange Gorman. Um, so, is there any plans for uh, you know to have a smart? Well, we, we have a digital transformation team yeah, at, yeah. at director level, so mm. I'm not au fait with all the plans around that, but there certainly yeah. it is a priority to do that. I think you're right; the opportunity mm. is there when you're in a new build situation mm-hmm. to yeah. to to sort of put the infrastructure in place in, in, initially. Yeah. Um, so I, I, you're right. I think the, we should be doing more in that way. We do in the... Um in the uh, in the university, we have an open labs uh, by TU Dublin Hothouse, which is uh, doing a lot of great work in terms of building links uh, with industry around core technologies, including AR and VR. So we, we have a new AR and VR uh, development hub uh, 
uh, which were which is being really successful. There's a lot of demand for their services, mm-hmm. um, and you know I'm involved in some projects in that space. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very impressive building. I've been in it before. Yeah, that was a collaboration between Enterprise Ireland and TU, wasn't it? Yeah, the, yeah. that's the that's on the Grange Gorman site. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 That, was, that was the first new building there, actually. Yeah. 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 Um, our previous guest, uh, Paul Macdonald from Sonnet's Systems, actually showcases the importance of academic support and then rolling that out into the marketplace because they were a spinner from um, Trinity. So it just shows that, you know, I don't think we can get away with operating in silos the way we have in the past. We do need the academic institutes to support the startups, but we also need a mechanism where those startups are actually rolled uh, out or they get assistance to roll into the marketplace when Mm -hmm. they're market ready. And I think maybe that's the piece that's been slightly missing because Ireland doesn't have the same Mm -hmm. VC um, environment that other countries do. And that's that's definitely a problem. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, when we're pitching Ireland as a startup nation, you know, somehow we we leave out the bit about us not having a very well developed VC market. And it's a huge it's a huge lack in the infrastructure. Yeah. I mean, where where does mm. that gap? Who steps in to fill that? Yeah, well, look, I, I don't know. The, 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 I, the, and people, many people have pointed out. Donald Slattery, um, CEO of Avalon, was talking about it there last week. He has ideas about how uh, Enterprise Ireland should be uh, re- rejigged, how you know uh, funding should be rejigged. But one of his messages was that there needs to be more collaboration between industry and startups. Um, looking I suppose the, the topic of this evening is smart cities mm. um, the guys in smart docklands I think uh, act as a really good co- uh, cohesive kind of a, a point for startups and industry and people around the city to be able to do that yeah and, um, and they actually um, they bring together these large property occupiers and um, property or asset managers yeah. and allow access for innovators market ready innovators to roll out their services now that's massively valuable you know it's it, and in fact, that's probably why they were ranked in terms of smart locations. They were ranked number one in the world ahead of Villeneuve, which is the prop tech test bed. So that was really interesting. I have a global, I have a global market. So there's there's definitely no underestimating mm. what um, the smart Docklands, the smart Dublin team are doing in terms of supporting and rolling out. Um, but I'm not sure if that. Uh, helps in terms of the VC side of things, mm. and part yeah. of the argument is: do we just have the appetite do private investors have the appetite to invest yeah. in innovators in such a small marketplace yeah and one of the other things that uh, Donald Slattery was, was talking about was um, leveraging the diaspora uh, around the world so you know getting capital from the states and Canada and places where you know people with Irish links um, yeah. well, that's you know, have access to, to yeah. equity yeah. Yeah. you know and, and, and linking that in with, with Irish startups so I don't think that I think yeah. that's a really good issue that should be explored for sure yeah and the Asper are pretty active aren't they and pretty knowledgeable of what's going on in here and as well mm. particularly those that have left yeah. uh, university luminous from, from universities etc yeah I think Andrew's right I think the alumni network is, is an area alumni, that the universities yeah. are trying to you know, harness that. It's probably it's probably take probably, a more American yeah, approach. To yeah, it. exactly. I think I think maybe more could be done in that area beyond the sort of the networking and getting to know each other. Is a bit more hard nosed maybe in terms of trying to connect yeah. people a bit more. But I think first of all you have to you have to we haven't develop. Well, I think first of all you have, you have to develop yet, the alumni yeah, strength and network. And there's, there's you said there's a cultural dimension to a lot of this. I think mm. in the United States it's hot wired. Yeah, absolutely. To people uh, that uh, well, you give back. Yes, you know, when yes, you make absolutely. it, you give back. And we have great philanthropists in Ireland too. But probably not. It's probably not part of the DNA 
DNA the same way it is in the US. I have US. to agree with you completely, Alex. Okay, that's so. That's uh, that was Alex uh, Gibson, assistant head of School of Marketing in uh, Technical the Technological University in Dublin. And Andrew Farrell, CEO and founder of Block Angel. Thank you both for uh, joining us. That's it from us today in the studio. Thank you for joining us on Property Matters, the studio, the show where property matters. Okay, and we want to thank all of our guests today. This was our busiest lineup so far. Uh, we dedicated the whole 60 minutes to smart cities because we feel it's so important and we would love for the community now to get active and research some of these initiatives. So next week we'll be joined by the Zoobox Ireland team and that's another great innovator coming into the Irish marketplace. But for now, thanks to Shane Flynn who is on sound, producer Katie Tallon and we're back at the same time next week. Stay tuned for Bowl of Soul which is coming up next. So from Brian Fox and myself, Carol, Talon, have a good week. 